Uh, today, first illustrated message I think I've ever given, maybe, I don't know. This right here has got lots of stuff in it. It's heavy. I mean, it's like Austin. I had to have Austin help me get this in here. And everything that's in here is in every one of us. Everything in here represents what's inside of every human being on the face of the planet. We're going to open it up and we're going to find out because um, the first thing I want to talk about before we go there, um, I wrote some of this down, that every, the first thing we must understand is, is that, and be perfectly clear on, is that humanity is fragile. And we are each a very precious soul. Every individual you come in contact with is a very precious soul. How many of you had precious souls that you prayed for, believed with, and they went on home? I think we can all raise our hand to that. Amen? How many of us have precious souls that we believed in and we prayed for, and they are healthy today? Amen. All right? They're all very precious souls. These people, they're people. And when you come to people, there's just so much. It's just not as simple as we'd like to make it. Sometimes what we would like to make it is more mechanical, where here's what the Word says, here's what we're going to pray, you're just going to get better, and then everything's going to go on just wonderful, right? And that that's, that's a perfect world that none of us live in. None of us live in that world. And so we're going to talk about a little bit. I'm just going to kind of share with how I look at things, how I believe God has has taught me to look at things when I'm dealing with human beings, when they're dealing with their needs, dealing with their struggles, um, my struggles. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to do something with that right now before I fall over it, and uh, that'll be a problem. All right. We are created to be completely and uniquely connected to and with our Creator who loves us. Now, when dealing with people, the first thing you have to realize is that everyone Jesus prayed for was healed. And everyone Jesus prayed for died. Everyone you pray for, healing power is released. And everyone you pray for will eventually die or go in the rapture. Something I think is really unique, and I've, I've tried to use this my own personal life, and it's one of the reasons why I do not hang out with too many ministers. People ask me, well, you know this guy over here, this guy, I don't know any of them. I have tried to connect, and for me, I, I, I take it to a teacher's lounge, much like a teacher's lounge. The proper, the proper teacher's lounge will look like this. 
the teachers have got to get away from those students for a bit, <laughs> right? So they go to a lounge where they can discuss, and they're all teaching different topics. They're all doing different, they all have a different assignment. And in their assignment, they're trying to reach these children in a proper conversation. It is about how do we reach this child? Do you have so-and-so in your class? Yes, I do. Well, how are they doing? Well, they're not doing so well. What's going on in their life? What's happening to them? What's, what's going on with their social life? What's going on? They're trying to figure this child out to reach that child so that child reaches its full potential, right? That's the way it should be. They, they shouldn't be in there just talking about kids and giving up on them. They should be trying to find a way and I have reached out to pastors of people who come to this church to try to find out how do I reach these folks. When I find out that they've been to a lot of different churches, when they've been to a lot of different places, and they're just not settling in, they're not finding their home, that's not right. That's, that's not right. That's not healthy. You should have a church home. It should be your home. And, and that is where you get established, and that is where you build your, 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 your community, and, you have, and, it, and it affects your social life. They become part of your social life. Not, it doesn't have to be all your social life, but it needs to be part of your social life. You need that connection. So I've made phone calls to pastors. Hello, my name is Dean Hammonds. I'm pastor of High Point Church here in Marion. I'm sure you've heard of us. Oh, yeah, we've heard of you, Mr. Hammonds, or Pastor Hammonds. Uh, what can I do for you today? Most of the time, you can't even get them on the line. You call, and I'm a pastor. Just lately, I called a pastor to encourage him. That church was going through a tremendous trial, a tremendous thing, and, and I got to pondering on it. And the first thing was, you know, how'd this happen? How, how did it get to this place? And, and, and then I said, okay, God, what, what, what's going on here, and, and, and what does this pastor need to hear right now? And God gave me a word for them, Judy. So I call the church. I get the secretary on the phone. I said, this is Pastor Hammonds from High Point Church here in Marion, Illinois. Yes, sir, we know, we're aware of you. Okay. I said, I, I, I would like to know if the pastor would have a moment to talk with me, uh, just pastor to pastor. I'm sorry, he's not available. I said, will there be an opportunity that I could talk to him later? He could call me back. Hang on just a minute. No, you need to talk to me. What is it you want to say to him? And I will relay the message. And then he will decide whether he's going to get back to you or not. Pastors can't even talk to one another. If a pastor calls me, if a person calls me and they got a problem with a church or whatever, I probably am not going to call them back. But if that phone rings and it's a pastor from another church and they need to talk to me, I'm going to call them back because we are in the same position in the kingdom of God and we've got to communicate to one another. This is why I don't make phone calls. But when I do get through, I want to ask you about so-and-so. Oh, well, and they get guarded. And I said, well, I'm not, I'm not calling to talk about anybody. I said, I just am aware that they have been to your church. Yep, weren't here very long. I said, well, they, they've been here for a while, this particular family. And they've been here for a while, told them how long. They, well, you, 
you know, you're, you're the one that's held them the longest in town. They've just rolled all through, to, all through the churches. I said, well, you know, um, I, I'm not here to talk about who's, who's keeping them longest, who's keeping them the shortest time. What I'm wanting to know is, why did they leave and what was going on in their life? What's happening? I want to reach these people. I, I need to reach them. I said, they need, there, there's an unsettling in them. And they can't tell me anything. Because they're just interested in the numbers. And I'm not saying all, but I've, I've had this with, with a couple people, that, a couple families that were very dear to us that are no longer with us, but I had no assistance on how to reach them and, and how to, to minister to them because there was no interest in that particular. It was the interest was they're interested in, and this is why pastors can't get together because they, they're interested only in what they can get in their pew and get in there and, and what, what thing they're doing and try to build whatever thing they're trying to build. We're not in the business of building a thing. This is not about a circus and who's got the best one on Sunday morning. This is about discipling people to disciple people. And people are precious. People are God's greatest commodity. And we've got to find out, we've got to drop our pride first and realize we can't reach everybody. You've got to, if I don't have that attitude, it's more likely you won't have that attitude. And I'm trying to help you understand you will not reach them all. Paul said, I have become all things so that I might win some. In other words, when all some of you, when you first met me, I had a cowboy shirt on, my cowboy boots and all that. I was becoming whatever I needed to be to reach you. I'm not a cowboy. I never proclaimed to be a cowboy. I'm not even a wannabe cowboy. I will never be a cowboy, but if I needed to be that for a moment for you to reach you and to make an impact in your life so that you grow closer to Christ Jesus, then I will be whatever I need to be. My interests are very broad, and, and I can step into those roles to reach you for Jesus Christ. I am not a bondservant to Dean. I'm a bondservant to him. Hello. It's not about me. It is about him and it is about people. And we don't have that idea first when approaching someone to reach them. Then there's a selfish motivation of some kind and there's going to be a hindrance in that. And we can't go in with a, a, already a, a hindrance in the beginning of pride, motivated of pride, motivated of a, self, um, a, a selfish motivation of some kind. This is not about us. This is about him, and it is about his people, his creation. All right? So when we're reaching out to someone, the thing we have to realize is we don't know what part 
of the process that we're in. You might be the person who's just prepping soil. You might be the one who's sowing seed. You might be the one who's doing the harvesting. You might be the one that gets the job, the worst job of them all, processing. There's one thing people don't like is process because process brings change. What's the one thing you don't like? What's the one thing you don't like? You got it. And it, it doesn't matter who you are. You don't like change. And that's just the way we are. We find our, 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 our trench or our, our groove, and that's where we like to stay. We don't like that messed up. Okay? So, so just understanding that process and having to go through the process with people, I've found myself in that position, and it's the toughest one because it's the slowest one. It's the one that doesn't show much progress, and it takes a long time. And sometimes, here's the hardest, the heart, heartbreak of process with people is a lot of people don't hang out for the process, and so you pour a lot of time into somebody, and in the middle of it, they bolt. Like, that's, I, that's enough. I'm not, uh, that, we've gone too far. Amen. And, and I'll tell you what, you'll find every one of those issues right inside that human being. And what's inside here, what we're going to represent today, what it represents today, is going to help us understand where people are at. We're here to serve. We're a servant to these people to help them find their way through life and grow closer to him. That's what we're here to do. Amen. And the, and, and the American church has placed that whole burden on the pastor and the leadership. And the leadership and pastor can't do it. We don't, there's not enough time in my day to do that. I get a chance if I can just help a few. Remember, I become all things to all, all people so that I might win some. I can just get, I can just get some. But if I get some, and Pat gets some, and you get some, and you get some, and you get some, and you get some, guess what? We have made an impact eternally in a region very quickly, very quickly. Because the ones you reach, you will reach them and disciple them the same way you've been reached and discipled. And then they will reach and disciple the same way they've been reached and discipled. And that will produce a change, and it will change the culture. This is what I believe. I believe, I've said it for years, Illinois will change. Illinois will change. And you know how it will change? It starts with the, the atmosphere. It always starts with the atmosphere. Doubt and unbelief and complaining will not change. It will, it will change an atmosphere, but not the way you want it. You've got to speak those things that are not as though they were. And first, you've got to find a thing to speak. Find out what God says on the thing, and you speak that. When you speak that, it's going into the atmosphere. Now, that's the beginning. You don't see a harvest on that overnight. It might take 20 years. 
I heard someone say the other day, and he was talking in an interview. I thought, oh, my, he's stirring up a whole other thing. He goes, society, everything will change. We will be one of the greatest conservative nations in 20 years. And this interviewer was saying, well, how, do you, how can you say that? He says, it's very simple. He said, we've got nearly half our population is turning lesbian and gay. They can't produce anything. So within 20 years, we're going we're to overpopulate them, and it's all going to be conservative. It's just that simple. I went, oh, my gosh. You know, <laughs> I'm not sure that was the direction to go, but, you know. <laughs> but he had something to say, you know. And, but, but, but here's what I liked about what he had to say, a long-term goal. The problem with us sometimes is if we don't see something changing now, we think it's never going to change. And we have got to look forward and have a plan that is in action. To God is a forward-looking God. When God says it's going to be a certain way, it doesn't matter how bad it gets down here. God says this is how it's going to be. Remember, it may be looking really bad right now, but his word said, Weep and howl, you rich men, for your riches have been collected up and held together for the future. I will take the wealth of the wicked and roll it over into the hands of the righteous. There will be a revival, a great harvest at the end of time. At the end of the time that we have as we know it on earth right now, there will be a great harvest at the end. So we as Christians walk around with our head down, woe is me, how bad it's getting, how terrible things are. Oh, it's just getting worse every day. I just, I just wish Jesus would come. No, you don't. Because if you really wish Jesus would come, you'd be looking for the harvest. You'd be looking for the outpouring. You'd be looking for the wealth transferred. You'd be finding out from God, when the transfer takes place, Father, what is it you'd like for me to do? How do I take it and use it? See, you're looking for it to happen to somebody else, so somebody else has to have a plan. God's looking at you saying, you, I'm going to use you, and when I use you, you better have a plan. And then you've got to begin to say, I'm going to be in prep school here. I want you to prep me for the day and the hour when you pour. Remember, he said, that there's coming a day when I will pour out my spirit upon. A few of you. Some. What did he say? All. Did you know there's a day coming when he's going to pour his spirit out on all? Do you know what that's for? For everyone to get an opportunity. <laughs> that day's coming. So when we are dealing with a human being, we have to look at that human being and realize the potential that's in them. I call this message, Stones, Blocks, and Chains. 
because we all have stone blocks and chains. I could turn this into a series that would take all of 2024. It just keeps pouring. And when I'm, when I'm, I mean, it just keeps pouring in me. But I'm going to have to try to get this out in the next 15 minutes, and I don't know how I'm going to do that. But I'm going to try to get as much of it out as I can. So let's take a look, at that, and I may have to come back next week, and that's fine. We may do this for the next few weeks. For you, for you who are being discipled here, I've told you over and over again, the thing you have to know, there's three things you need to know in, in your life as a Christian. Know your God, know yourself, and know your fellow man or, or, or woman. We are not talking about perfection here. When we're dealing with this, we're not dealing with perfection or trying to make or bring perfection. The Bible says that we, that ministry is kind of uh, ridiculous in the eyes of humanity, pastoring, preaching, all that church is kind of ridiculous. And that, that really um, what we do seems to be kind of, 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 of on the ridiculous side. But it says that our job and task will be there until all come unto the perfection. I was talking to another pastor the other day. He said, we'll be working for the rest of our life because we're never going to get them to perfection. So in other words, what Jesus was saying was, when I assign you to this, you're assigned for life. You're not assigned for now, so you can go do something else later. You're assigned for life. You're assigned for life as a disciple. When you got saved, you were not just born again as a child of God, but as a child of God, you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. A disciple is someone who continues to learn and someone who continues to teach. It's a continual growth and a continual of growing those around them. This is not a game. This is what you will be. This is what you will answer for. Okay? You're a disciple. This is not just going to church, having cookies and coffee, which I love to do. And I especially like having cookies and coffee with you. You're my favorite people to have cookies and coffee with. I think I pastor the finest church in town because of the people that are in it. Watch this. We're not talking about perfection. Nobody's perfect. But we are and rather talking about growth and excellence. There's a difference. And the one thing we need that, that, that creates excellence in us is empathy, and we need it toward humanity. Mercy and grace, and that is, the on, and that is only truly produced by love, God's agape love. So let's just jump into this, because you're not going to be able to function in this without having empathy for people. Um, understanding the whole, being a critical thinker, um, and and then thinking the whole whole out uh, before you come to a solution. Here's what the Bible says over here, and we're just going to start here, and then we'll see where we get. I'm hoping to get a little bit done here. Hearken, uh, this is this is in Mark. Four, chapter 4, 
3 through 9, 13 through 20. And we're just going to focus in on one particular item here. He says, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. And the fowl of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth. And immediately it sprang up. Because it had no depth of earth, but when the sun was out, was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away, and, and some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And the other fell on good ground, and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased, and brought forth some thirty, some sixty, and some hundredfold. And he said to them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Know ye not this parable? See, notice whenever he was talking to them, they weren't getting what he was saying. And how then, if you don't know this parable, are you, are you going to understand all parables? And I'm skipping down. He says this, now he's going to explain it over here in 13 through 20. He says, and some, th he, he says, hang on. The sower goeth, the sower soweth the word. And, and listen, the sower soweth the word. But when they have heard, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their heart. These are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and have, but have no root in themselves, so and so endure but for a time. And afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. We all have the opportunities and we all carry stones inside of us. And though that human being, we pray for them. Here's, here's how it works. Here's how it works and here's how I look at it when I'm talking to someone and they're wanting God to do something in their life. Whether it be um, sickness or disease, whether it be marital, whether it be children, whether it be uh, family issues with their parents or, or issues at work, uh, financial issues, if they've, got, if they've got serious financial issues, if they've got addictions of some kind, when they come to me and they're looking for help, the first thing I look for, there's two things, and, and the first thing I look for is a leak. Because it doesn't matter how much you pour into someone, if there's a leak, then everything you're pouring in is just going to leak out. And you can pour into them and pour into them and pour into them, and you think, hey, it's good. We got them up to the brim. They're excited. I've had them crying for joy in my office, praising the Lord, accepting Jesus Christ for the first time in their life in my office from just friends that have said, hey, could you talk to my daughter? Could you talk to my son? Could you talk to this? And I get them in the office and sit down and talk with them. And after a little bit, we go right in and, and they get saved. But they're broken. The vessel is leaking. 
and it doesn't matter what you put in them, as excited as they are right now. See, our mistake is we see the excitement, we see the jubilation, we see they're, they're, they're going to come to church. I mean, and, and, she, and, and I've seen them come to church for a little bit. And, and they, they're all excited, and then they're gone. What happens? Well, the first thing we have to talk about is the leak. The Bible says he heals the brokenhearted and he mends the wounded soul. Just because they got saved doesn't mean they got mended. It doesn't mean they got healed. And if they don't get healed and mended of whatever has broken them, so now I got another job to do in discipling this individual. And, and the thing is, I can't heal. I can't mend. So get your psychology book and throw it to the side. You can't do this. The Bible says he heals the brokenhearted. He mends the wounded soul. Not me, not you, not a psychology book. He does. So now I've got to see and I've got to search God. I've got to search his, 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 what, what, he knows this person. I don't know. He knows everything about them. And he has brought them into my life and crossed my path. And I've got to, I've got to find out what's broken them. Now, the second thing that we have to deal with is peace. Did you know Jesus said, peace I give you, peace I leave with you, not the peace the world has, but the peace that only comes through Christ. Did you know you have the power to lay hands on someone and bring peace to their situation? You have the power to lay hands on someone and leave peace in their situation. Not just bring peace, but leave it. As he is, so are we in this world. We have the power to bring in and show them who to go to for their healing and their mending so that they can contain what is being poured in them. And then once they can contain it, we need to, we need to now bring peace into this. We can bring the peace. We're the peacemaker. Blessed is the peacemaker. Amen. He gets a big inheritance. Peacemakers get big inheritance. So, so what do we do? We bring the peace. Now, until they can get peace, peace just seems to settle it down. Rick had described it one time to me that peace comes, Dean. When it comes, you can receive. Is that, isn't, that, isn't that right, Rick? And, and when you're praying, when I'm around Rick and we're praying for somebody, one of the first things Rick remembers and brings up is, let's, Dean, don't forget, we've got to pray for peace for them. Why? Because in peace you can receive. And that's something when we're dealing with a human being, we've got to remember that if there's no peace, they can't really receive. See, you can lay hands on the sick and they recover. But it doesn't mean they'll keep what they just got. Oh, I'm just telling you the truth. There's been too many healing ministries that have done studies because they kept watching people. You can't, you can't disqualify someone 
who comes into a service and they are they are trapped in a wheelchair been in the wheelchair for a long time and somebody lays hands on them and they get out of the wheelchair and take off running has anybody ever seen something like that have you ever seen something like that pat and i've seen something like that we watched a man get his healing in his eyes one night and thank God it was a minister who, who was a bulldog because he, he, the clock was way back there. He was praying for that man. He says, he says turn around and tell me what time it is. He, said, he says, and he, you, you see him looking. What, what time, where, what do you want me, what am I looking at? The clock back on the wall. He says, I can't see a clock back on the wall. Okay, turn around here. Prayed for him again. He said, now turn around and tell me what, what, the, what time it is. He turned around and he says, well, I see a clock, but I don't see what time it is. I can't see it. He said, turn around. And he prayed for him again. And he prayed for him again. And he prayed for him again. About the fifth or sixth time, praying for him, he turned around and said, now tell me what time it is. And he told him what time it was. He could see that clock and see the hands and could tell... But just, now that was, you talk about setting the congregation on fire, man. It was hard to keep anybody in their seats after that took place. Because everybody watched him come in the, in the door. Everybody saw he had help getting in there. He couldn't see that well. And he needed help getting to his seat. He needed help getting up to the altar to be prayed for. Study after study after study, we have found that many of the people who receive their healing lose their healing in the future. They're right back where they were. Why? Why? The anointing can come in and do things nothing else can do. And it can bring things that nothing else can bring. But that anointing is like an oil. It is described as an oil. How many of you know you have to change your oil all the time in your truck, your car, your cooking oil? Do you want your wife using the same cooking oil she used last year? You want to use it all year long on your chicken? huh? And use it on your fish and use it on your fries and use it on your bacon and then use it today for your, for your meal? I don't think so. You want what? Fresh oil all the time. When you go away, the individual goes away. Here's the thing. If we want this to change, we've got to begin to understand how we're going to change it. What part can we play? It goes beyond because every time you pray for someone, you're praying and God is healing. Healing power is moving every time, every single time. Healing power will manifest every single time. Can they receive it? Are they able to receive it? Are they able to keep it? Are they able to walk in it? And here's the thing, are they able to go to the point where they can turn around and give it? Oh, not just receive it, not just walk in it, but be able to turn around and give it now. 
And this is something the church has lost, and it's called discipleship. In here, you find all kinds of stones. I put all kinds in here. Put all kinds of colors in here. All these can represent one of two things. And more than likely, whenever you're dealing with a new convert, well, I'll tell you, when you're dealing with a new convert, when you're dealing with a, someone who's coming back to the Lord, someone who's struggling with their healing or, or whatever, you pray for them and they're healed and, and you're ministering to them for a little while and it seems like everything's going well and they act like everything's going well and they're pretending on you that everything's going well, they got their healing, but there's all these different stones in their life and some of them are pretty big and pretty bad. All of them inside this earthen vessel prevents them from producing a harvest. All of them. And these are not the stones that Christ intended you to have in your vessel. This is not it. These are stones of offense. We've got all different sizes because we have all different sizes of offense. They come in all different colors. Sometimes it's from family, friends, old schoolmates, uh, disappointments at work, uh, some, something somebody said, something somebody did. Sometimes somebody violates us, and that's a real jagged, big, stinking stone of offense that's very hard for me to get over. And we've all been there. We know what that is. Do you know what God's intent of these stones are to be? Lively stones. And that's what he intends to exchange them for. He intends to exchange your offensive stones. Your stones of offense for stones of life. Stones of memory. The miracles that he did in your life. Remember the, remember the children of Israel? When they crossed over on dry land, what was the one thing they ran back over and did? Real quick, they put 12 stones in the middle of the river. Why'd they do that? That's our memorial that God delivered us right there. God wants to take your stones, and he wants to take that individual that you're dealing with, all those stones they have of offense of what everybody's done to them. That's their memory stones, and those memory stones cause them to be very shallow individuals. They become very selfish individuals. They become very self-centered individuals. Whenever you're focusing on your offense, you're very shallow. What the Bible say? Because of these stones of offense, there was no depth in them. And because there was no depth in them, yes, they sprang up very quickly. Everything looked really great. It's growing really well. But as soon as opposition came, what happened to them? They died, burnt up, died. Why? Well, because their stones of memorial were all stones of horrible things that people had done to them, and they couldn't get over it. Our job as disciples is to begin to show them that Jesus will take every one of those stones of offense, and he will turn them around, and he will give them a way out he will take them through. He'll part the water, and you'll leave behind 
a stone of memorial of look what God has done for me. Look what Christ has done for me. Look what he's delivered me from. Wow. Well, you've got that to deal with when you're talking to people and dealing with yourself. Amen? How many of you still got some stones of offense in you? I still have some stones of offense in me. How about you? There, is there sometimes you get across one person, you haven't seen them in forever, and something on the inside goes, mm. well, there's an offense. <laughs> there's a stone of offense in me. Okay, God, we got to deal with this. And sometimes I just have to walk over to that person against my will, shake, my, shake their hand, and apologize or try to make it right or try to fix it. If they did it to me, I just, if nothing else, I'm going to show them everything's okay. Come here. Everything's all right. Shake their hand. Hug their neck. How are, you, how are you? How's your family? Is everything going well for you? What am I doing? I am going to pull that stone out. I'm going to get it out of me. Why? Because it, there's a deafness that I lose in myself that, per, that, that prevents me from producing. Now, you've got to decide. And you're never going to be able to disciple others if you can't work on this. It's okay to pull them out and say, you know what? I'll just tell you how it was. That's okay. Get it all out. And then when you get it all out, now let's deal with it. Amen? Let's not just talk about it and get it all out and then we do nothing with it. Let's just, and, and to let it fester, let it infect, and let it just, just, just end up, what are we going to do about that? How are you going to handle it? I've had issues with family, and, and uh, I, I've had, had people just get straight with me and say, hey, Dean, you're just going to have to get over this. You're just going to have to move on. And I've got to go back to God and say, okay, God, how do I move on? When I don't know what to do, I don't just sit around going, I don't know what to do. I go to the source who has an answer for everything, and I may be in my bed at night laying down there, but I'm going to ask him at some point in time, Father, what do, how do I deal with this? You've exposed the stone. Here it is. I've got it uncovered. I don't know what to do with this. And God has a way of taking that out of your life and turning it into a miracle of a stone of remembrance of him and his great power. Now, when we're able to go through that process, we can take someone else through that process. If you don't know how to go through that process, if you refuse to go through that process, you cannot disciple someone else. You can't do it. So if we're going to actually reach them, we've got to realize these are in there. And they're all over the place. You think you have How many of you have done a garden and you thought you got all the stones out? And next year you till through and you go, where did they come from? It's like they're just producing and they're like potatoes, you know. And you pull them out again. Well, what's happening? As the soil gets worked, the stone, but eventually, eventually you figure, they figure out how to deal with it because you've discipled them how to deal with it. Amen? All right. Is that all right today? Listen, folks, and some people will not let you in to do that. 
for a long, long time. And whatever disease, whatever financial situation, whatever relationship problem or bondage that they have may very well end up wrecking their life or maybe even taking it. But if they won't let you in their garden to help them with their stones, there is nothing, that's between them and God. That is not on you. Don't waste your life working on one. Don't ever turn them away. Don't ever treat them like they're, they're, they're not worthy or they're not valuable because God's working on them. He's put you in their life for a reason. He's brought their, their, their life across to you. You still have work to do. And that may happen later on. But don't get in a, in a rut that you're not successful. Because just them not wanting you to get in their garden is the proof that you got the goods to get in their garden. They can feel the Spirit of God in you wanting to go someplace they don't want you to go. So when they're rejecting you, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting God right now. But God has continued to work on them. He got them there. He got them in the place where he crossed paths with you. Amen? And so now we have to recognize them and we have to help them get them out. Amen? And, 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 and that's, that's part of the discipling. This other is, is listen, this right here, there's three. I'll, I'll talk about this next week. There is, three, there is three building blocks in every human being. Three of them. They're, they're foundation stones. It determines what somebody believes, what they, what, they, what they live by, how they live. See, this is relationship. All of this spells relationship. And if we're not willing to build relationship, if all we're interested in is getting around the circle, kumbaya, and pray, and, 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 and lay hands on people, and then, then disperse, and, and then criticize on how they're living, you are in the wrong, you're in a religion, you're not in, you're not in the, the, the kingdom of God. You need to get out, you're, you're no use. This is, people are, are hurting, people are dying, people are, the Satan is beating their brains out, and, and, and we have this power inside of us called the glory of God, and we're here, and we have the goods to make a change. You do. You have that. It's in you. All I'm trying to do in the next couple sessions is help you to understand, maybe get you ahead of, of the game, because it took my whole life for God to show me how this works with human beings. And if you can just understand today, the first thing you got to look for is let's get that hole sealed up. And let's get some peace in their life.
That seems so simple, but you got it. You've already got it. Amen? Love on them. That's what heals them. That's what brings the healing and the mending. It opens up the door for them to receive Jesus Christ to do those things. Bring the peace in the situation. Speak peace over it. Lay hands on them and speak peace over them. Take them by the hand and speak peace over them. You'll feel the power of God in that. I'm telling you right now, you'll feel the power of God in that. And I'm not saying you need to go out and try to reach people that you can't reach. Reach the ones that he's brought to you. Reach the ones he's crossed paths with you. I hear it from some of you all the time. I just felt an urgency. I just need to go. I need to call this person. I need to talk to this person. That's God. And he's putting you in the crosshairs and crossing the path to someone else for him to reach them with this. That chain there, we're going to talk about that chain. Did you know we're all bound? Every one of us. We're either bound to something of God or we're bound to something that is hindering us from reaching our potential with Him. We're going to talk about where that comes from. That's not as, that right there, that chain, we talk about chains and chain breaking. I'm going to tell you right now, chain breaking is some of the easiest stuff you're going to come into. I'll tell you where the tough part is. Those stone, oh, those, uh, those blocks. Blocks are the toughest ones. And we're going to talk about them next week, the blocks. But the chains, everyone's bound to something. Paul said, I'm a bond servant to Jesus Christ. Who are you bound to? Who are you chained to? Who are you linked to? What are you linked to? What are you bound to? And we're going to find out how to set that free. Because you're disciples of freedom. Amen? That's what you are. You are disciples of freedom. You're disciples of, 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 of power and, 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 and uh, understanding and knowledge and, and, and peace and mending and healing. And you're, that's what you are. Amen. When you enter the room, that's why devils shake. Because they know what's inside of you and who you are. Amen. Father, we thank you for this day. We praise you. We glorify you. Father, help us to grow and learn how to touch someone else. Father, if this does nothing for anyone, Father, let it, if it does nothing else for anyone here, help them to learn how to look at a human being differently so that we can reach them, and Father, without meddling, but Father, we can reach them, Father, by, by, by the power that you've given us so that they can see transformation in their life. So they can begin to see, Father, and hold on to what you've given them. So that healing can be secured. Father, divorces can be, be, be eliminated. Father, financial issues can be restored. And Father, we just give you all the praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy New Year to you. Uh, we'll see you next Sunday. Happy New Year. <laughs>